Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Friends, I'm a bit behind on podcasts right now, so I apologize, but I am about to read you The Valley of Dry Bones um, from Ezekiel chapter 37. This is verses 1 through 14, Um, probably some of the only verses you'll recognize from the book of Ezekiel, but we'll get into that later. So listen now for a word from God. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then God said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. So this passage is one of the only passages that people than scholars actually probably read in the book of Ezekiel. He's an exilic Old Testament prophet. So this part might be familiar with you to you. The scene opens with God taking Ezekiel into a vision, which I love that Brent Strawn's his scholar at um, Duke calls a visual metaphor. A vision is a visual metaphor. So God is taking Ezekiel into a desert full of dry bones. They go around and around the bones to establish that this is truly a field of death. And God asked this outrageous question, mortal, can these bones live? Dry piles of bone in a desert, can they live? So I respect Ezekiel the most 
in his response because I have felt his somewhat hopeless response in my very bones this week. Mortal, can these bones live? Oh, Lord God, you know. The actual Hebrew, if translated fully, gives this tone of, you, God, you might know, but don't look at me. But even if you know nothing about the Hebrew, if nothing else, Ezekiel's response is certainly not enthusiastic. It's not like a, yes, God, with you, all things are possible. It's a, it's a shoulder shrug response at best, I think. When you're looking at a lot of death, it's really hard to imagine life. So Ezekiel offers this shoulder shrug response, because while you might be familiar with these particular 14 verses in Ezekiel, like I mentioned before, there is a reason most folks aren't familiar with the chapters that come before it. Ezekiel has had a rough time of it. And this valley of dry bones that God is showing to Ezekiel is the aftermath of great devastation that's described and lamented in the previous chapters. Verse 11 tells us the bones are the devastated house of Israel. And if you read the whole book of Ezekiel, this unenthusiastic prophet here, his mood is explainable. So before all of this started, verses 1 through 14, Ezekiel was on a priestly track in Jerusalem when the city was besieged. Now, it was a two-year siege of warfare that turned this thriving city into a city of famine and disease and death. And the temple of his livelihood, his religion, the place where he found safety and security was razed to the ground. And somewhere in that siege, Ezekiel was taken from his home and his calling and sent to Babylon. And his wife died along the way. And while in Babylon, his role as a prophet was a dark reality, trying to help people make sense of what was happening and why. At some point, he even cooks his bread with his own feces. So suffice it to say, Ezekiel's reality is exile. It is devastation. Ezekiel knows intimately the dry bones in the desert, and any sort of new life seems an impossibility. So I don't blame Ezekiel if God wants him to give a, or wants to give him a grand revelation about life, and he's not the most enthusiastic participant. I wasn't exactly an enthusiastic participant this week writing the sermon. The metaphor of dry bones in a desert speaks to me about kind of the state of stress and helplessness that I feel, maybe some of you feel, about multiple parts of our shared lives together in this country right now. So if I heard mortal, can these bones live? I would be a contemporary with Ezekiel when I read this. I don't know, God. You tell me. Because many things that seemed possible years ago seem quite impossible now. But I'm at least grateful that God knows that this is the accurate metaphor to use with Ezekiel. This visual metaphor, that is. This vision is at least faithful to Ezekiel's reality in many ways. There is death. Things seem hopeless. We know dry bones are impossible to hold flesh and muscle and breathe, let alone have joy. At least Ezekiel isn't transplanted directly by God into some visual metaphor of a growing garden and just told to cheer up. God walks around the bones. And then the Hebrew text says they walk around the bones again. There is an honest sizing up of the dire situation Ezekiel is in. But there's still this question. Mortal, can these bones live? The straightforward answer is no. If there are a bunch of dead bones around, 
That means the humans who wore them are long gone. Muscle, organs, skin have all had plenty of time to decompose. And this includes the heart, y'all. This includes the heart. It's also dead. So Ezekiel would have been very correct to say, God, it is impossible for these bones to live. All you'll find here is death. It is impossible for things to thrive, come alive, flourish, let alone breathe. None of that is possible. Ezekiel, perhaps more humble than I am, but he he responds differently. He says, only you know God. So God gets started. God commands Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, to speak truth to them. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel says the words and the most amazing thing happens. Suddenly there's a noise, a rattling, and the bones come together, bone to its bone. And this is where we get that song, you know, the shin bone connect to the knee bone. Ezekiel looked and there were sinews starting to cover the bones and then flesh had come upon them and skin covered everything. A large group of Ezekiel's people stood again in his vision, a vision of hope. Yet they still weren't breathing. So God has to say to Ezekiel, you must keep speaking to them. Prophesy, Ezekiel. So he comes and he says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as God commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. What Ezekiel thought, actually what he knew to be impossible, just happened. Dry bones became his beloved community again. The breath of God given in the earliest stories of Genesis blew in from the north and the south and the east and the west and gave life where it had been taken away. This imaginative vision reminded him that nothing is impossible. Now, I have been lost lost in thoughts of impossibility lately. It's impossible to be good stewards of this planet. It's impossible to care for women in this country. It's impossible to respect each other's journeys of faith. It's impossible to value life above guns. And these are right now just my impossible thoughts based on two weeks of Supreme Court rulings. I've had personal impossible thoughts too. Like, it's impossible to be perfect. I literally miscalendered an entire week of camp for my children this week. It's impossible to do parenting and working and spousing and self-care well. It's impossible to have enough time. It's impossible to eat well. So much impossibility. It's been a bit foggy for me this week. And to be honest, Emily Dickinson would be very disappointed in me. Last week, um, I spoke about how we need to have places for ourselves, spaces of divine encounter. We have to create them in order to stay afloat. And I spoke about how one of my sacred places is my desk, where there's this little sign that has a famous Emily Dickinson line, dwell in possibility. Now, if I had spent more time in that sacred space this week, maybe I wouldn't have been feeling like I was best friends with Ezekiel at the beginning of this passage. Dickinson's words remind me when I read them (laughs) that I I don't 
want to be a person who believes in impossibility. That God doesn't know impossibility. God dwells and calls us to dwell in a world where everything is possible. Where dry bones can hold flesh again. Where communities are brought out of exile and restored to their homeland, which is what happened to Israel. And I think if she were here, Emily would put her hand on my shoulder and say, Mortal, don't use that word. Don't say impossible. In God's creative and imaginative vision of bones in the desert, we are reminded that the impossible is possible. And that's one definition of faith. And we, you and me, we are invited into that imaginative invitation. We are called to help make things possible. I mean, think about it. Who is the one who spoke the words of prophecy? Ezekiel. Who's the one who called on the breath to restore the bodies? Ezekiel. I, I love what Vanderbilt professor Lisa Thompson says about this passage. While the Holy One is the one acting, the mortal is extended an invitation to participate in this grotesque grandeur that will lead to something unfathomably holy. The restoration of life. Human finitude is somehow a collaborative agent in bringing this promise of resurrection to those strewn across the valley. Or as Duke scholar Brent Strawn reminds us, he says, not to be missed, however, is that how God accomplishes these things among the exiles is through the breath of one of their fellow exiles, the prophet Ezekiel. Breath from his lungs, forced out over his vocal cords, shaped into sounds by his lips and tongue, expressed as words, God's words, that brought hope to those who felt like they were so far gone that no one and nothing could reach them. We must strike the word impossible from our vocabulary. It weighs too much. It denies the fact that this world, our God, each of us, we are full of possibility every day, in every decision, and in every situation we encounter. I mean, as Nelson Mandela once said, it always seems impossible until it is done. It always seems impossible until it is done. And we are called by God and Emily Dickinson and Nelson Mandela to have a bigger and a better imagination that can imagine and enact a world based on possibility. Amen.